and welcome to another episode of Link to the Cast. I am your party host. My name is Dave Ryan. I am not joined by Mark Robinson this week, but joined by a returning, conquering hero, the RPG Wunderkind, still alive and well, Brian McNamara. Brian, how are you? I was going to do a whole bit there where I did a bad English accent and pretended, no, it's still Mark here, isn't it? Uh, but then you <laughs> gave me your that... best Danny Dyer. But then you... Uh... Yeah, that's where Mark's from, isn't it? My, my gimmick that Mark sounds like Danny Dyer has been going down a treat with everyone except Mark, believe it or not. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was going to try that, try for that, but then you gave me that rousing kind of saying. It's kind of like, no, I, I got to step up to this. Yeah, fucking hell, man. It's been a while. It's been a while. It's a couple of months, anyway, for sure. Uh, well, it's been longer than that since the two of us have been on a podcast. You were on one in July. But, Dude, uh, I don't remember things. Yeah, yeah. The last one you were on uh, that people heard you on was uh, Division versus Destiny, the the epic. Oh, debate. me and Mark. Yeah, or more you talking about yourself because Mark hadn't played either. Um, his dedication. Yeah, so his <laughs> <laughs> dedication to his craft. I know it's amazing, isn't it? Um, how the fuck are you, mate? How have you been? Tired, man. You're tired. Sucks. Be- sucks being old. Sucks being old. Sucks having those responsibilities and shit. Speaking of responsibilities, I fucking, I had to buy a suit for my graduation today. Let me tell you, having never bought a suit with my own money before, that is a fucking, that's a thing. Those are expensive things. You went and bought a suit without me? I had to, because I need it altered before next week, and I can't wait till the weekend. So pretend just gone by there. He's upset. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't realise I... Uh... Of all the fucking person, people, like... Oh, how many graduations right. have you had so far? And how many times have I met a thing about you not wearing a suit at your graduations? No, I do wear suits at my graduations. Well, I've only been to one of them. But I wore a suit at it. Well, then I met a deal about you not going because you could have worn a suit and you're like, mate, too No, suit. I can't remember. No, we had... no, no, no. It was, no, it was going to work in suits. It's yeah. because I don't, I don't even wear a tie when I'm teaching. Oh yeah, that was the thing. It's like we're going cool to, yeah. When you when I eventually go tie shopping is what it was that you agreed that I would get that. How much? How much you pay for a suit? Uh, it was like it was north of two hundred, like two hundred fifty, like just not bad. Like I mean, no, no, no. I from what I'm told by my grandmother who was with me just for the sake of like, um, in my head I was like I think I could pick a color kind of combo that would suit. But I want a second pair of eyes just to be sure. And the only second pair of eyes that was around today was my grandmother. So I asked her, would she come and have a look at like, not so much the color of the suit. Because I was pretty sure I want, a, I went for gray. So oh, I want a gray suit because gray is kind of versatile. As my, as my grandmother said, and apparently this is a phrase where you can wear it to a wedding and a funeral. I was like, great. I don't tend to double up on those in any one day, but that's good to know. Um, but it, yeah, it was more the, the shirt and tie that went with it. And I bought, uh, and uh, on the uh, the man in the shop and my grandmother's uh, urging, I have opted for a lilac shirt and a tie that suits that. So it's yeah, it's, uh, that, that's it's graduation. Not, and because probably. I'm and because I'm not wearing a cap, so I won't have any sort of colours. Mm. Um, I don't even know what the faculty of education. I don't know, or they're not because I, I don't even know what faculty they're under. The Department of Ed sometimes have their own weird. Like we were green, weren't we, the first time round? I think I was green both times round. Yeah, I don't remember things. But yeah, like, this... Twitter's have fur trimming, like. But yeah, like, uh, so yeah, I think I did well, but it's not three piece. It? Uh no, I went two piece. 
Oh, there was already enough money spent in a day. Oh, I was just trying to surprise. Like, I mean, did you go to the man shop? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They, had oh. a, they, they, had a, they had a bit of a sale going on. Like, Cause just, like you know my blue three-piece? Yeah, yeah. 170 including the shirt and shoes. Yeah. Hmm. And tie. Not bad. Hmm. The shirt was quite expensive from what I recall. Yeah, kind of was, yeah, yeah. But it was kind of like, it was more of a, I'm paying more for a shirt that I know will match rather than trusting me to go on my own to pennies at a later date. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Fashion Cast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I was trying to think of a good pun there, lads. It's not coming, it's not. But yeah, that's that's, that's my dose of real world this week and I got my my learner's permit sorted and that was a whole fucking fiasco as well. Well, What, Oh my god. Mine was shocking, went shockingly smoothly. It should be so simple. It should be so simple. And it's just it was not. though. Well, for me. Um, yeah, so that's that's that sorted. Um, going off to Cork this weekend as well. It's, it's all go. It's all go. Oh, that, yeah, that's why I can't go this weekend, Zoo Joffin. I was like, I know there's some sort of reason. Yeah, I'm not going to be here. Yeah, yeah, I'm going off to Cork for the weekend. Anyway, should we talk about some video games, Brian? Suppose might as well, yeah. Yeah, right, so playing this. Sure, you don't want to talk about the transfer window. Uh, well, look, yeah, that's, a, that's the other podcast. That's, that's a spin off. Playing this week. Hey, check it out. I learned the baseline from Final Fantasy 2. Scott, you are the salt of the earth. Well, thanks. I meant scum of the earth. Thanks. Brian, I don't think that anyone's surprised you've been playing a lot of No Man's Sky since it came out. We've played a good bit, yeah. How's it going for you so far? I've been doing my captain's logs each week on the podcast and it's kind of part of my Friday Plays series on our YouTube channel at the moment. So I think people are pretty clear how I'm getting on at the moment. But uh, how are you doing? I'm not too bad. I have, what, two Atlas Stones at this point. I've maxed out my weapon. I've maxed out my suit uh, for slots. Uh, I'm on a 23 slot ship. I managed to get one that looked exactly like my last one but with less fins. Um cost me a paltry 2.275 million had to sell almost everything i owned to get my hands on it Mm. um including almost all my fuel i had barely enough fuel to get to a planet to get more fuel um came across an absolute beast of a spaceship uh for sale with 31 slots for 12.7 million no I, i i'm kind of at the stage in the game where i'm um I'm kind of like I'll spend money on a lot of things but so far I've been refusing point blank to even contend with spending money on a ship oh yeah I I, like I haven't even I I didn't go near getting a a new upgrade ship until after I hit max inventory slots Uh, I'm at um, I I just like the last time I played it which was a few days ago um, I found a 24 slot ship and I'm in the middle of repairing it, but the problem is for one of the things to repair it, I need zinc, and I can't find zinc anywhere around me, so I'm having to go on a bit of a walk. It is it is a bit of a bad time. Um, there's one particular there's one particular part that when you repair it, it requires zinc and shielding shards. Uh, that'll be the shields. Can't take no, off. No, no, it's it's something else because I can't even take off in low atmo with it. I think it might be. No, it's the shield, man. They weren't broken. You sure? They weren't broken when I got the ship. Well, because it takes zinc and shield shards to recharge the shields, and they won't. Um, look like this, they won't let you take the ship off with a broken uh, pulse drive. Yeah, so it might be that. Which is pointless because it's annoying because you don't need the pulse drive to travel looking Inside for some the, yeah. within the planet to just find the resources you need to get it up and running. Yeah. Uh, that's happened to me a couple of times when I've gone looking for ones and it's needed what are technically basic 
you know, platinum, iridium, and that, which are plentiful on some planets and in some places. But what was this? I was on a planet with high radiation that had extreme radiation storms yeah. and also extreme radiation at night for some reason. And uh, the storms would crop up every about three, four minutes, like clockwork. Um, and there was no iridium on this entire fucking planet. It was a real nice ship. I had to let go. Yeah. Um, I think that um, sometimes on those extreme planets, I don't even bother looking because I it's know there's going to be a, something really sweet and I'm going to be really sad because I can't find it. It's just, it's just a bad time. Yeah, it's just I, on this particular planet because I made sure to check before I accepted it that um, this planet definitely had, like it was rich in minerals and stuff. Like, there was fucking shit everywhere. Like there's emerald and gold everywhere, but zinc cannot be found. I've generally most of I've had a mare trying to find emerald on it on the game generally I've been I've I haven't been needed very, it for anything well no it's just very valuable to sell it's, mm. it's uh, it, with some races it sells uh, for considerably more than gold um, so it's it's handy um, but yeah how is your like that, that's where you are in the game at the moment but how is your experience like in terms of enjoyment or frustration or uh, where, see, are you at, the, where are you at right now the things are like now um, like for about I'd say about three weekends running yeah. I basically come home from work on a Friday turned it on and played it till Sunday night Like there was I, one stretch where I don't think I actually saw you for about four days yeah it's despite just, the fact that like your bedroom door is about six or seven feet from mine Less even. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's just, it's it's standing in. See, like, the thing is, you know, you introduced me as the RPG Wunderkind, and I mean, it's the elements that are present in this that just, it speaks to me as a game. Yeah. Like, I, yeah. I can what, immerse myself like, in like, it. It isn't rich in, say, classic narrative, but it is rich in the RPG elements that you often like, talk about when that, you're on the show. That said, like, I mean, the the... For want of a better word, the the narrative, the story here that's going on. I mean, I think there's a lot there, but it's quite subtle. I mean, um, yeah, it's. I went through a whole journey, like learn going through all the Gek monoliths in my first system, mm. learning about that. And I was like, initially, I'd been you know going to all the knowledge stones, picking up, building up my lexicon and that. Talking to guys, and they were so fucking friendly. They were calling me friend the whole time. I learned the Gek word friend. Everybody calls me Gek friend. I advanced up to my standard with them, rapid fast. They seem like the nicest guys. Little, little cute, you know, bug, like puffin looking beaks on them and that. Like, these yeah. are clearly the nice aliens and that. Then you go to the monoliths and you find, you're, re- you're learning about the Gek Firstborn who are like, we will burn and enslave the galaxy. They basically yeah. sound like death metal, you know. And you're kind of like, well, there's some depth <laughs> here, you know. And I think as well, the lack of, and generally I quite like hand-holding in terms of quests and RPGs. I hate yeah. to miss a hidden objective I hate to miss out on if I'd gone for that dialogue choice I could have gotten this cool yeah. item or this upgrade like I, I generally I will be glued to a walkthrough for a game like say Fallout we're or The very, Witcher we're very different in that, in I'm, that I'm very into it because I want to maximise my experience because games like games like Fallout say, people often like replay Fallout many times or multiple playthroughs to get all the kind of the nooks and crannies the nooks and crannies and they and they do it on repeat to get them and yeah. of course with Fallout you know you have to pick your diff- who you're going to side with what fraction you're, fraction you're going to side with and live with that people go back and they do the other ones for me I still haven't finished the main quest of Fallout yeah. of Fallout 4 
because I just I don't want to make that choice. I want to cram in everything I can. I don't want to miss out on anything. Uh, yeah, I don't that's, want to close off anything. Yeah, that sometimes halts your progress with games. I've noticed. Yes, um, it can do. One particular Shadows and Mortar. Yeah, that's the, that's the one particular one we were always talking about. Is like you're so close. Like I'd say about two hours short. Of, of I did. I did. I did about a month ago, banging in there and have a go again at it. And I just there's it's a sublime game. It is amazing, but there's just there's one of the um, the upgrade missions for the dagger that I just cannot get and that was I remember that's what stopped me last time because I think after about 8 attempts um, it's the one second in the map where you have to sneak around and kill all the lookout dudes and there's like eight, 6 or 7 of them and it's in one of those kind of towns shanty towns with like high buildings and that and you have to oh, pop yeah, down yeah, and yeah, run around it's it's very frustrating I think about 8 times the first time then I did another 10 attempts and, you know I'm not shit at games folks I just couldn't get the hang of this. Yeah. But to drag it back to No Man's Sky, I have not gone near a walkthrough for No yeah, Man's I'll Sky. I could, it's just The only thing I've looked up uh, just to make sure I, 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 I checked myself to see if I was right, I've looked up how to get the Atlas Pass version 1. I Because those those are, the things that you need Atlas Passes for are so plentiful in the game that I had to know because I had I had talked before on the show about how I fucking cornered myself like an idiot in the um in my first save and had to start again mm. uh, because I missed the part of the tutorial that gives you the warp drive and I wanted to make sure that getting the Atlas Pass wasn't part of the the tutorial process yeah that I didn't have to get it before I left my first star system because that was my worry. And it turns out that wasn't the case. So, uh, yeah. That's I, the only thing I looked up. Because I, I, I have the Atlas Pass V1 now. I have no idea. Oh, I didn't continue on to read. I, I did know that the author of the first piece I was looking at had said that he hadn't figured out a reliable way to get the V2 or V3. But now people are saying they do know. But I don't know what they are. I think is it IGM have it up saying anybody who knows how to get a V3 get in touch with us. We, we want to know how. Oh, so it's V2 people... V two people out. know. The last I checked okay. on it, V two people know, yeah. but V three no one has a breeze. Um, Do you have V one now? I have V one now. Um, the only thing I've, I've looked up, I've looked up the max inventory slots for everything yeah. to make sure because I got to a point where I was spending time and buckets of resources um, setting up the mining tool exactly how I want with the upgrades I want for one with sixteen, and then the next day, the next day I found one with eighteen. And then two hours later, I found one. Literally, as soon as I'd finished spending those entire two hours getting the resource gear to set it up exactly as I like, found a, a twenty, and then a twenty-two. I think I'm in like my ninth star system, and still haven't found a multi-tool better than the one I bought in my first star system that has like fourteen on it. I have twenty-four of the max. Yeah, that's I haven't found like I've found loads of ships. I and I've been slowly building my exosuit as well. Uh, I want to wrap up this talk shortly, but um, give us your, so, your, 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 your sum up there. Well, I, I won't be asking for a refund. Yeah, yeah, well, we'll get on to that in the, uh, <laughs> in the news section, yeah. So you're you're happy. I'm happy. I mean, I haven't played it now. <clears throat> I followed Nuka where it came out, and I've, I've had a bit of a go of that, and I, you know, played a bit of Doom, continued on yeah, a bit. Is, that is it for you it the game that's just going to be in the background as a thing to come back to? It's the game. When we get into because th- this week marks the start of busy season. Yeah. Um, so is it going to be the game that you keep coming back to playing? A it's going to be the game I I play because I don't like to play it for less than three or four hours yeah. at a time. Do you find it like I do? Do you find it a relaxing experience? 
Yes. Yeah, I found it very tranquil. Yeah. To play or to mine. Because it's very hands off. It's very low key. Yeah. It's not forcing me it's, to it's in that, It's in that zone with like Minecraft or FIFA for me as a game I can switch on, switch off my brain, turn on a podcast, and plow away at. Yeah, I was. What was it? Was it last weekend or the weekend before? I listened to the entire Metallica's back catalogue while playing. <laughs> very strange. strong. Strong. Tell me about Nuka World. The Nuka new, World. The new Fallout 4 expansion. Now, we talked on the show last week, myself and Mark, about how I finally how much officially... Like... Well, no, no, no. <laughs> not, not, it's not me burying Fallout. It was just that I finally thrown in the towel and traded it in because I realised that much as I want to give it another crack, I don't think realistically with Six all the months. games I genuinely really want to play. Six I months, you'll get it for 15 quid. Well, that's the thing. That, that, that's, that's exactly what I said to you when I came back from trade in as well, is that there, there will come a point where I'm going to be able to get it for nice and cheap by the time I'll want to play it again. Yeah. And like this way, I was able to trade it in while it's still worth a good bit of money mm. to do so. But tell me about Nuka World. Nuka what, World. What is it and what's it like to play? Nuka World is the last tier, last expansion for Fallout 4 um, with story and a whole new location. Uh, Nuka World which is basically think uh, I know American Reviews have referred it to Fallout Six Flags I've never been to a Six Flags I don't know what it's like I, I know of Six Flags it's it's so Fallout Itchy and Scratchy World yeah I was going to say Fallout West World but yeah Itchy and Scratchy World it is <laughs> the dry cool wit like that I could be an action hero <laughs> you know it's the kind of it is a th- amusement theme park it's themed around Nuka Cola you know imagine there was a place with the zip of Nuka Cola Dave hmm you know, um, and it's been you know it's been fallouted. It's been post-apocalyptic, you know, and it's it's full of um, raiders for three particular factions. You rock in, uh, misled spoilers. You're tricked into heading out to Nuka Cola World or Nuka sorry Nuka World, and you end up immediately being thrown in. You've got to run the gauntlet. There's raiders toying with you. There's a big gladiatorial fight, and then double spoilers. Although this is all in the first kind of. I'd say it's took about an hour, 90 minutes, maybe yeah. a bit longer, because I was quite methodical about it. Um, you're the boss. You're the boss of all the Raider gangs in Nuka World, technically, because uh, you have to kill the old boss. Uh, and then, thus begins your, I think I've read somewhere, it's approximately 10 hours of game time. Uh, not bad for an expansion. Not bad. Of you, basically. I think before a time where The Witcher 3 came out, that would be considered excellent. Well, put it like this, this that's... Nearly twice as long as uh, Fallout Modern Warfare 2, the campaign. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, once you got it, and then you have to basically go and band together all the three factions of Raiders and make them your bitches so that you are the boss in fact and not just in name. Um, haven't got much past that because it's a, it was a school night um, <coughs> and I was very tired. But no, it's. Er, early impressions. It's good. It's more the same. It's more what you want. What I want from Fallout, it's yeah. a new area what, to explore, it's yeah. new characters, it's new quests, I, I it's new th- items. I think in isolation I might enjoy that more than I was enjoying the main campaign, just because one of the things I really love the most is that kind of old-timey but also post-apocalyptic aesthetic, the, the, which yeah, I don't is... feel like, especially in the first, what I played, maybe eight hours... I was playing. I like. I didn't encounter much of that. It was certainly brighter and less muggy than Fallout Three, but yeah. I had less encounters with the old timiness. Um, oh, they're there. Let me tell you. Like, they are. Yeah, you're in a Nuka Cola themed like 
park. It's it's all that kind of like art and design. It, it's it be is all around it you. is like the nuclear apocalypse happened in a sci fi nineteen fifties. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um. In it, you know, good old fashioned values. I get what you're saying there because, like, you know, once you get out of there's no you don't get to spend any time in the vault doing like Fallout Three yeah. or uh, vault things. It's not even like New Vegas where you go to some of the places and the people are very much drawn from that kind of idea yeah because diamond city is not like that good neighbors well place and good neighbor are like that um i i get what you're saying there's there's those kind of classic elements yeah i want it of, to be i want it to be a wash in that 50s aesthetic yeah i which guess it, the early parts of the game certainly weren't no apart no. from like a couple of like a couple of buildings here or there that i was encountering but like when i was coming to like when i met that guy Oh, what's his name? Preston? Is that the annoying guy? Another settlement needs your help, Dave. Yeah, yeah. When <laughs> that town that I meet him in... Sanctuary Hills. Yeah. Isn't very... Like, 50s. It's just very American town. Do you know what yeah. I mean? But not in the 50s. It's not... Idyllic, uh, sort of classic diner with, uh, like, um, Chuck Berry playing in the background. See, that's why like I love that. having my main base at the Red Rocket truck stop. Yeah, 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 that's and that is yeah, because that, like, that's much more kind of that kind of theme. Yeah, but that's that's just me. But you're, you're you you like it so far anyway, and report back at some stage. I like I like it. Yeah, I'll I'll probably play some of it now later on this evening and crack into it. Yeah. Um, before we get on from what you're playing, this this definitely will have a, a profound impact on what you will be playing. You discussed with me recently that you have a new policy with regards how you're going to be purchasing games in the yeah. upcoming um, uh, few months or so to um, uh, to preemptively tackle a backlog. Yeah. Uh, well my backlog is already massive yeah like I've done a lot of work this summer I've been very proud of the work I've done where I've, I've started making decisions about whether I'm going to trade or delete games that are just piling up and uh, clearing a bunch of others so I've cut down mine quite substantially yeah not counting all the free PS Plus games I'd say I've got about 40 odd games in my backlog and that yeah, inc- that includes like stuff like everyone's gone to the Rapture and yeah. Soma and kind of smaller indie titles and AAA stuff like yeah. Doom and Wolfenstein and Wolfenstein Mordor. the Old Blood, Mordor, Last GTA. of Us, GTA, uh, all the rest of those Helltale games. Yeah. Um, See, I think Alien Isolation. Yeah, because I think we always talked about like the problem is like, whereas I'll play, I'll keep two or three games on the go in a rotation that I'm playing at any one time. But you kind of like like was evidence when we were talking about the division on this show, uh, even before you and Mark did that podcast. Like you'll pick a game that'll come out. It was Fallout Four before um, it was the division. And what was it before? Witcher. Fallout. Witcher, yeah. So you'll pick a game and you will play that single mindedly play that game with a, like a laser beam pointed focus. And if other games come out that you want, you'll buy them. You might play them for the day they come out, but then you're back on with Plan A, which was the, the game that came out before. So as a result, yeah, you're going to end up with that stuff piling up and up and up. I have three and a half Uncharted games to play. Yeah, that's that's true. Yeah, like, at least I have the Uncharted collection, but at least I've played them before. I have the collection, so I don't count and I've done about. I've done the collection. I've done what a third of the first one, and yeah. uh, like I bought. Uh, Uncharted 4 because it was on sale it was about 20 quid off then for 40 mm. quid it was like it's a good deal pick it up but no my new policy yeah. now is that I'm going to stop buying new games when they come out new even if I want them yeah. I'm going to wait until mm. they are on sale because it's become really apparent now like with that with uh, Uncharted 4 a couple of months later you know uh, 
thirty percent off. I was down, down from sixty odd to forty. Yeah. You know, and I mean, I very strongly was like, I'm not buying the chart four until. I've played the collection because there's no yeah. point. I want to. Sorry, this is clearly a game where you have to give a shit about Nathan Drake and yeah. have this backstory. I mean, I know from the trailers, it's him and his brother. You know, yeah. I mean, surely there's got to be some backstory here. Well, not his brother. Yeah, but yeah, to, you to know, him. his family relationships yeah, yeah. And, and that, like, you know, and I mean, you know, and of course I want to play a game that has, you know, Nathan Fillion and Bruce Springsteen team up oh, yeah. and go find treasure or whatever. But it's Harris Log. But I was like, I'm not pre-ordering. I think I had a pre-order and I moved it off. I was like, I'm not buying a brand new. I'm not paying full, full price oh, for it. Charted. Yeah, you did, yeah. Because uh, I was like, that's just being stupid. Because you pre-ordered the same way I did. Yeah, and then I moved. I think I moved on to Normal Sky or something yeah. else. So that's what I'm going to do now. Because I mean, the games that are coming out now this season that I want, I want Battlefield One. Yeah. Uh, I, there, want, there, I want Titanfall Two. The, the I other thing that, that that bears in mind that it's something that a lot of people listening might have in common with you is as well. Even if you want to play them when they come out, you don't always have the time. Because games come out either on a Friday or a Tuesday. And if they come out on a Tuesday, you've still got the guts of the work week left. And if they come out on a Friday, you're going to have to actively make a decision to give your only two days off in the week to that game. So you can understand why, like I said, you have that laser beam focus, why you might want to be welcomed back into the arms of the Witcher after a long week in work rather than... It's comfort food. Yeah, because like, say for example, like I'm playing Deus Ex at the moment and I'm really liking Deus Ex, but at the same time, like it is a, a real struggle because I haven't played one of those and games before. I'll pick, I'll pick up Deus Ex when it's 25 euros. Yeah, yeah. But, and this is the thing, like you have, you don't have the, like with some games where I have the, the inclination that like I really want to play this game when it comes out. You know what I mean? Whereas you, for a lot of I really games... Want to that, play I really want to play The Witcher yeah, yeah. I really want to play and you, Skyward again. When games like those come out that you really want to play as soon as they come out, you will still probably buy them when they yeah. come out. But what you're saying is for the main thrust of games, like say when we get into busy season this year, and you said, so is Battlefield 1 one that you're going to get on the day? No. You're going to wait on that no, as well? No, like... No, uh, I, the one, the I, one I, I was going to say that might be for you to wait on, and it's something that I'm going to move on to in my, my quick segment now in a sec, is um, Titanfall 2 will be one for later. That's definitely one that I want, but again, I'm not going to buy it because, just to wrap up Brian and Games, yeah, yeah. Uh, the way I like to sink into these games well, where I can pop in... from you for a while. I need to catch up. The the way that I can go and like sink into like a beanbag chair that is... Fallout New Vegas or, or yeah. Fallout 4 or Fallout 3 any Fallout game Skyrim like Skyrim mm-hmm. Collection's coming out I'm going to buy that on the day Bioshock's Collection's coming out I'm going to buy that on the day Yeah. because uh, I want those but like, I can take that time in because it's comfortable and it's warm and cosy and yeah. it's like how you come back to FIFA you, you want to oh, play a game you that's wanna... my, yeah that's my that's my palate cleanser yeah you want you want to listen you want a palate cleanser I want when, yeah when I'm like when I'm in work people will notice if they're friends with me on the PSM um, that if it's Monday, if I'm teaching and it's Monday to Friday, which I'm not at the moment, but when I am, if it's Monday to Friday, like most of the week, I will only play FIFA. And that's because like my brain has been in overdrive all day because it's such a like mentally taxing job so You need that I need to switch off. And you, that's a perfect game because I've been playing FIFA since I was about eight years old. So it's muscle memory. So like you, you go to that because you want a palate cleanser. In that kind of same kind of mindset, I want comfort. So yeah. I want I want a jumbo thing of popcorn while yeah. I watch the pretty colours. Yeah. And that's why I You think... don't always want to make like a complicated dinner. Sometimes you just want to order. Yeah. And I mean the thing about it is like I can hop into Fallout or The Witcher mm. and as it seems done on this guy and I don't have to do the main campaign stuff because it's a non linear game. I can just 
swan around, Ramble. build some stuff in my run settlements. Into side, it's run into some side quests. Do some side quests yeah. where I don't have to make a big important decision. Whereas, the, and the thing is that if I went and I, I spent, because I'd probably get the limited edition or the special edition or something that's got there. Like that was always my thing on pre-order is that you get extra stuff. I love getting extra yeah. stuff. Yeah, uh, that you won't see again until the game gear edition. edition for something you really want. That's when you're pretty much no questions asked. Pre-orders going down. Here's hundred quid. My, yeah, my strategy for pre-ordering, which is why my pre-ordering strategy isn't going to change, even though I definitely fundamentally agree with what you're saying, <laughs> is that for games I want, when I want them on the day they come out, I will still probably pre-order some just because I like the idea of being able to plan financially in advance. We well, see, I just need it with money. So. Yeah, you see, like so, there'll be games coming out in December or November that I really want, but I, at that time I will be saving up for Christmas presents mm. or for like you know taking a trip to to Prague with Emma in the, in the New Year or something like that. So I know I have the money now. I don't have the money then. Mm. So that's why, like at the moment, I have already paid off like. FIFA, Pro Evo, um, Skyrim, Bioshock, Gears of War. I have them all paid off hmm. so that I don't have to worry about them. And I've nearly got Pokemon paid off so that I can just walk in on the day and it's like a present for me during the summer when I was smart. Because I do think about these things very far in advance. See, but, uh, yeah. What I'll do is that I'll do that and I'll let's say, let's say the game's out on the Friday and I'll pick it up on the Friday and I'll, then I'll pay for two, three hours on Friday evening then and then it'll be yeah. 10, 11 o'clock on Friday night I'll get a takeaway I might watch a film and I'll, then I'll be like okay do you want to play more of this I should like to just hop into Fallout for a bit yeah, yeah. the Witcher yeah. and then I'll do that for a week and I'll come back to it and it makes no sense I finally realised to pay top dollar for a brand new game when I'm going to sample it and then I'm going to leave it yeah. for three months and then like Doom's a good example I really wanted Doom and I don't regret getting Doom when mm. I got Doom like I didn't get it at launch but I got it quite early on and now it's down to 35 or yeah. something on the Playstation store and, and it's only 50, now that you're getting around to wanting 50. to actually beat the campaign because yeah. you've been talking about it the last week or so that you're going hardcore into Doom very shortly yeah like I've I've, I've dabbled back in again again I can't even it's, it's definitely going to be something that's in our game of the year talks later on in the mm. year because it's going to be a list of games we're going to have to decide on that we're all going to need to play some of so for me like there's no point in Battlefield 1 until it's cheaper because I'll buy it and then yeah. I won't play it yeah, yeah it's, like. the, it's the best way to tackle your backlog in a way that makes sense for you exactly and then what I'll do is just keep an eye out for the good deals yeah. and when it's a good deal the iron top. I'll grab it yeah uh, right so me playing this week I'm going to fire through the three of these because um, for two of them anyway I know you haven't played them nor would you have any interest in them I don't want to put you to sleep uh, Madden 17 it's another Madden game oh yeah it's good oh tell me more <laughs> It's good. Them big shoulders on them. He actually is rubbing his crotch as he says that. <laughs> um, it's another Madden game. You know what you're getting. Kind of like with FIFA. It did look interesting. It's, yeah. It's it got looked that, way more interesting than FIFA. It's got that, well, it's, it's got that American melodrama that those kind of sports games do have. Yeah. You know what I mean? Where like, but the only thing about them is like, there's not the quick disposable nature of the games there is in FIFA. Like if you play, if I start a game of FIFA now, I will be done in 12 minutes. Yeah. Even if it goes to extra time. If I start a game of Madden now, I will probably be done in an hour. I kind of like the look of like the, um, the whole tactical element with the players. Yeah. That now that's, no yeah. attention to. <laughs> but no, it's not that I don't pay attention to. It's that like, the playbooks are so deep that I just pay attention to the picture. Yeah. because I know by the picture what it wants me to do 
So, like, that's how I pay I could, I could see myself going kind of RPG elements on that game and, well, like, really getting into learning the plays in, and things like... In that case, I can't urge you strongly enough not to buy it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, yeah, it's it's fun. I'll buy a Madden game every couple of years and uh, dig around with it for I a while. I get this one when it's on sale, too. It's the, yeah, it's the general start, like, the, the, the agreed kind of wisdom in the games industry is that when Madden comes out, that is officially the start of busy season because it's usually the first big release of the autumn. So that, that's the start of it. I played the demo for Pro Evo 2017 uh, online. That is still doing its own thing. It feels completely separate from FIFA. It, it feels... Does it still feel like, connected to Pro Evo 16? Uh, yes. It's still, like, it's still in the same engine. It still feels good. It's a little bit slowed down from last year. Because I said one of the things that really separated last year was that it was fucking hella fast last year. And is I that a good thing or a bad I thing? I think it's probably a good thing because in today's day and age, the market for arcade style football games is shrinking. Because FIFA is kind of the reigning champion, people like more football simulation than they do arcade football. It's still got the arcade football feel, the menus, and still is considerably faster paced game than FIFA. But um, it's slowing a bit. It's slowing a bit down, I think, in an effort that if someone switches from FIFA to Pro Evo this year, they won't be completely fucking lost. And if I could ask Dave Ryan, the yes. private gamer, rather yes. than Dave Ryan, Dave the, Ryan, citizen, uh, rather than Dave Ryan, the tactical uh, games journalist, yeah, yeah, because <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, like that that whole spiel you just gave there, yeah. you know, that's a marketing strategy, yeah. That's not so much a uh, an assessment oh, yeah, of a game. Yeah, that's yeah, an assessment yeah, yeah. of a marketing strategy, Dave, as a player. Is that better? Is it better that they slowed it down from last year? Do, like, do you have more fun, less fun? Is it indifferent? Do you even notice well, it really when you compare playing Pro Evo rather than playing Pro Evo to I can, playing FIFA? I can tell you how I feel about Pro Evo in one sentence and I don't think you even need to read too deep into this. I played it for an hour and immediately pre-ordered it. But did not cancel my FIFA pre-order. Well, see, you're never gonna, we've, we've discussed this I don't even know on the I, podcast to me but it's length. because I play both of them enough that I see the nuances they are almost entirely different games to me on the face of it they're not and I completely understand how insane that might sound mm. that I think they're different games but they feel completely different when you play them um, and I think each of them are interesting entertaining and fascinating in their own way and I really can't wait to see what FIFA does this year because FIFA's moving into an entirely new engine this year do you remember that time me and you had that big long discussion about Pro Evo versus it was pretty FIFA? much literally this time last year because it was when the demo was, was it dropped. on this? Yes. All right, because I was thinking, did yeah. we have that discussion? Yeah, 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 yeah. We should it have was, that. It, it was when the, it was when the demo drops because uh, the two of them drop within a few weeks of each other every year. And I think it was when I played both last year. Um, but yeah, that's uh, yeah. Now uh, let's talk about the important demo. Uh, yeah, the important demo. Giant robots. Got the, got the internet in a tizzy. You want to talk it's about got the giant robots. Competitive sports games with giant uh, robots. <laughs> yeah, our everyone's favorite sports, giant robots. Uh, Titanfall Two had its tech demo over the last two weekends. Uh, I've played about a half a dozen games of it and watched Mark play about a half dozen more down here. What level you at? Bruh. I don't know. I don't know. All the progress was getting white, so I didn't pay attention to it. If you get, if you buy the full version, your progress doesn't carry over. You get bonuses for it detecting that you had the demo, but I don't think you. I think it was a thing saying your progress doesn't carry. Because I played quite a bit of it. Yeah, well, you do. Like I said, you do focus in on things like so, especially knowing that you only had it for the weekend probably made it even more tantalizing to you. Oh, did you know? No. Um. Yeah, it's good. It's good. Um. 
it needs to be fine-tuned. Um, some of the things that people liked about the Xbox One original Titanfall have been changed, and I'm not necessarily sold on them being for the better. I never encountered a Well, this is just one. me having read into feedback on it, mm. and apparently they're changing some of it, but some things I think maybe it's a bit too late. Uh, for instance, um, so there's a mechanic where to kind of fuck up the titans you can jump on their backs pull out the battery but in the old game what you were doing is you just jump on them and rain bullets down on them and it damaged them and there was the risk reward of you can keep doing that or the pilot could just pop out and shoot you in the face mm. and you wouldn't be able to defend yourself uh, whereas now you've got you get up you remove the battery and you're able to go and bring it over to your titan yeah. and charge it up a little bit oh, yeah. um, it's got that um, an interesting thing is the new ransom mode um, I don't know how much of that you played. The bounty hunter one. Is that is that what it's called? I thought it was from, the one where you get money for you killing. bank yeah and you bank it yeah yeah, yeah. at the end of each round yeah that was, was the bounty hunt yeah that was that's interesting that's a really cool idea but I don't necessarily know if it's all the way polished yet I I see for one thing I think they need to randomize the location of the banks and not have them spawn in the same place in the maps each time yeah uh, because what I was finding the the in the subsequent days so not necessarily on the first day when no one really knew what was going on but by the second or third day that I played a couple of games um, you will Campers. find people camping at them and like religiously so um, but I, I will say as well is that the maps weren't up to a whole lot no no um, like there were a couple of really obvious places and maps for people to camp there was a couple the, the maps weren't uh, as large and diverse as I would expect from a game at this level. They're uh, a game with giant robots. Yeah, yeah. Like, like yeah, that's the thing. Like, not only do I expect like large arenas, and it could be just because I play Overwatch, that like Overwatch has these large labyrinthine arenas. Yeah, like, and BF three. But this, but this is the thing, right? Like on current gen, you expect big arenas, and on top of that when you put big robots in, you need to kind of make it even bigger because big robots are going to make the thing feel a lot smaller. Mm. Um, yeah, so, like, it, it definitely seems like it, it's fun. It's it a lot seems of fun. Like it's, yeah, that it's not quite balanced. It's, it's some of, Like, some of the stuff isn't quite there yet. I love the slide. I love so doing the slide. The slide is good. Well, the slide is, like, that's in... Call of Duty now as well the slide I know and the wall running too <laughs> the wall running is something that people are giving out as well about because I haven't the, actually done it either. well yeah I've tried bar, bar the tutorial I just well, apparently, it's unnecessary. The, apparently the wall running is a bit more like frantic and hard to control where it was like more slowed down and easy to do in the original Titanfall mm. I just I find wall running is just very gimmicky anyway um, well you want to speak of gimmicks they've added what seems to be the gimmick of 2016 the grappling hook uh, to uh, proceedings which yeah. operates as well uh, and one thing I, depending on the game I don't know if I like it or not the idea that things don't operate on an ammo system they operate on a cooldown that's becoming more prevalent in FPS and uh, TPS's now yeah. and I'm not sure I find it it's uh, I'm quite okay with it because it's generally relating to laser things yeah uh, laser things laser things like um, I'll put it like this I don't think I've managed to keep a Titan running long enough to worry about ammo running out yeah yeah um, but the no, I, I think I, like the grappling hook operates on a cooldown 
Yeah, um, you get two shots and then a thirty second cooldown. That's a bit annoying for something like a grappling. Mm. I I haven't used it yet because I it's tied to certain. Yeah, I'm all right with like character bodies. I'm all right with the. I think it's an interesting mechanic and an interesting way to have to think about things if your weapon needs to cool down because it's overheating. Not so much the grappling hook because I mean I just thought yeah, the grappling hook is where it gets a bit annoying. I think sometimes it encourages you to be a bit more tactical about where you're shooting rather than a spray and pray. Uh, if your gun overheats, that, yeah. that can that forces you to be a more tactical. Not standing player. out in the open when it yeah, overheats. Whereas I think the game is almost punishing you for grappling, and like the grappling hook isn't that intuitive. Where if you had a limited grappling hook, it would give you that distinct an advantage. And it's only on certain character skins for the multiplayer as well. Because yeah. I was running with the the last one, the the big armor trooper guy, and I didn't have no grappling hook. Yeah. Well interesting anyway it'll be um, definitely it will definitely be not, one that I will pick up for under 40 euros yeah it's not one that I was ever going to pre-order and it's still no. not it's going to be a wait and see and see if the servers are still populated by the time it's cheap yeah um, yeah so that's what we've been playing this week and I think now it's time to move into the breaking news of the week news on the mark I'm going to hand the first piece of news over to you. Uh, this is kind of news that uh, didn't quite make it to press last week because Mark Mark has this thing where he, I say, Mark, compile the news, and he compiles like three things. And all of them were about platformers. <laughs> no, but no, it's just like, there was one last week, I can't remember what it was, but like we had literally just been talking about a massive piece of news. And I went, all right, compile the news for the podcast there, walked off, came back. That thing wasn't on the list. I was like, what the fuck? It's like you're just looking at the first page of the news sign going, okay, boom, boom, boom. But anyway, this should have been on it last week. That's my mistake for not realising it wasn't on the agenda until it was too late. But there is a massive furore over refunds with No Man's Sky. People might have read last week that uh, by week three or week four of No Man's Sky release, Sky's release, or uh, no, week three, Mm. Uh, there'd be an 81% drop off in play- in active PC. players on PC yeah but this uh, I didn't read too much into that because that's kind of the si- like maybe not exactly same sim- but, but a similar division. pattern happens to a lot of games happened to the division but it took people a little longer people play really hard for a long time and burn themselves out of a lot of games and then come back to it Especially a game like this where it's a marathon not a sprint that you're in it for the long haul uh, yeah I was um now, I'm going to sound very unprofessional. It's not that we are remotely professional. Uh, well, you are. Um, no, I will not marry you. <laughs> damn it. Uh, I did encounter uh, kind of just a, the kind of the precursor, the kind of lead in to this whole bit of news um, with people talking about looking for refunds uh, for No Man's Sky and being told that, yeah, we'll give you a refund, but you'd never be able to play the game again. Yeah, yeah, that was the thing. Um, it was like, that was the, the the PSN solution. They were trying to figure out a way through PlayStation to give you a refund, and the only way they could figure it... Because, like, it's I a long-running story. Changed. It's a long-running story on this podcast and many other podcasts that cover PlayStation that the PSN, when it was constructed back during the PS3 generation, was constructed in such a way that they're not really entirely sure how it works. Which is why it's fucking taken so long for them and still haven't announced an ability to change usernames. Because they genuinely, at the start, didn't know how to put that mechanic in. Um, so yeah, the, the, what they had been initially saying was... Testing, man. I, I know how that can happen. I've yeah, seen yeah, how that the, kind of shit can happen. The initial way they explained it was, well, we can, we can give you a refund, but the only way we can 
really refund the game is if we block your access permanently to the game and the reason that's troublesome is just because then if like a year or two later you go oh we're giving No Man's Sky another crack well you can't buy it now because you're locked but uh, continue so I reading off IGN here um, basically looked at three main providers and saying what's the scale what's going on with refunds from them which is uh, Amazon Sony and Steam Amazon apparently are saying case by case basis there's no hard line rule here. We'll talk to each person as we talk to them. Our customer service will deal with them. Standard retailer yeah. talk. Uh, Steam apparently are saying that it's standard refund policies. Yeah, their refund policy I like a lot. Have you ever delved into their recent? Uh, their thing okay, is. Have you ever used Steam? Okay, their thing is you can refund the game if you have played less than two hours of it. Mm. So obviously, like within two hours, you probably know if it's a good game or not. Or if you've had it, uh, I think it, it it times out after a while. Like if you say for a week or seventy two hours or something like that. Mm. So if you if you get the game, play it a little, and then wait days and days and days, they won't let you refund it because it's like, well, you should know by now. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So they give you a nice time limits that kind of set it right there. Like for the people who bought Arkham Knight last year, they bought it, they realized it was broken straight away, so they were able to refund it. Speaking of broken then, uh, the other then PlayStation UK's customer support are saying that you can request a refund, but you must have an in-game issue. Now, it doesn't specify if it's an in-game issue that breaks the game, but you must have an in-game technical issue, and then you have to try and fix it with the help of a customer service okay, agent. Okay, so it can't it... just be, don't like it. Yeah. Uh, you... It has to be the game literally does not work. And then you have... You're... Quoting, you will be required to run through a list of troubleshooting options with the customer service representative before your case is passed over to the PlayStation investigation team, who will then decide if your case justifies a refund. Okay. But uh, people are going crazy about it, because they think it's some sort of fucking conspiracy that refunds are complicated, as if refunds for everything up until No Man's Sky came out are a real simple process. Again, this is just... Like, to, to... Borrow a phrase from the youth of today. Uh, you know, this Shit is, is bananas. B a n a n a s. God, that was even better. I was gonna say that. You know, <laughs> this is just fuckboys getting butt hurt because piss they, babies. Yeah, piss because they were like they they bought into hype. They built up yeah, the game in I, their heads, I'm, and it's not the game that they expected. Yeah, I'm writing an article for next week uh, that I was meant to go up this week, but the. Uh, the absolute mare I had with tech issues recording my other podcast yesterday led to that not happening. But uh, I'm writing an article about expectations versus reality and how to avoid getting stung like some people feel they were stung on. Like I like I mean the I don't the key way to avoid being such an angry piss baby is don't pre-order the game. Yeah, like you know I, I mean, like wait on the reviews. If you're not sure, like I mean, I was I was confident based on what we'd seen. Yeah. Like I mean, if you'd watched what was it? It was E three fifteen when Sean Murray stood, stood up and basically said, "So yeah, we're, we're going to play a bit of the game." Uh, uh, and did that thing where they zoomed out on the galactic map and it kept zooming four, out people and you know entire auditorium of people went <gasps> fourteen and fifteen. They did that. that. They did demos. Yeah, but the one that we watched for it, it was like he he went to Gap and zoomed out, zoomed out, and it, and kept zooming out. And yeah, going yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that was fifteen. But like, I like you could tell by looking at it, like yeah. this this was not. 
Yeah, not to, not to turn it into No Man's Sky cast. Like, oh, there sorry. are certainly elements, like, because people have done that thing on Reddit where they have gone, like, and there legitimately are things missing from the game that were there. But that, that's what happens with a lot of games, is that yeah. there's functionality that... Uh, Look, by a But this is the thing, and that was... Um, Jim Sterling did an excellent Jimquisition uh, about it last week, where he talked about the only reason that No Man's Sky isn't getting away with it is because... When Bioshock Infinite came out, and Bioshock Infinite, if you watch the original Nothing. trailer... Nothing. doesn't even look like it. Elizabeth is in it, but does not look like Elizabeth. Same, same goes for Booker, yeah. right? And there are completely different characters. It looks like there's a completely different antagonist, or at least a parallel... A different or story. A, like a B antagonist. It seems like, not to get into Bioshock Infinite too much, it seems like that console figure had to have been there the whole time. But maybe was the kind of the final, final guy... Whereas, like, there was that, that politician whose name I can't remember who seemed to be set up as maybe his lieutenant, perhaps. Mm. Um, but yeah, that was all gone by the end. But the, the reason they say that Bioshock Infinite came out is because when Bioshock came out, Infinite came out, it was f- fucking lauded with praise. It was excellent still. Whereas, because No Man's Sky came out and it was only okay on the whole, like, I like it a lot, you like it a lot, but kind of, you look at the average of reviews... It, yeah, the reviewers okay. said, hmm, how... Oh, I don't know yeah. if they could sell so, this idea yeah, to the people. Yeah, so because it came out okay instead of coming out still excellent like Bioshock Infinite did, mm. people are just going mad on it. it Whereas, like, but they're acting like games don't do this all the time. Mm. Where, you know, Where stuff EA is missing two from original demos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, like, but that's, that's just the way it is now. And I'm, I'm sure like in the coming weeks there's going to be more on this, so we'll, we'll, we'll move on. Um, have you ever played Eve Online or been no. kind of involved? In that? I, I, I've online. read enough. I know of, and I read enough of before this, and I've read enough now to know that their their horses are very similar colors. Yeah, um, but well, no, the reason I'm I'm bringing Eve Online in is in our our second uh, news story, which I only just uh, threw in there because I only remembered it when we were already on the air. Is that from November? How dare you ambush me like this? <laughs> Sorry. Uh, from November, Eve Online is going free to play. I saw that on my way home um, after thirteen years. Yeah, thirteen years, and they're splitting into what they're calling Alpha and Omega clones. Now, strike me down if I'm wrong. I think it's Omega clones are going to be the current batch of paid subscribers, and they're going to have access to all functionality in the game. Whereas Alpha clones are are going to have kind of limited, you know, it, it's standard free to play like model ESO. where like you can get the the full benefits by signing up but you can still play the game yeah. uh, without signing up so you that's dirty it's interesting because like that's one of the last ones that was like subscription only you know what I mean like it and wow were the ones that were just persisting for years and years and years mm. it's just interesting to see how that model of games as a service is uh, starting to wilt in favour of the kind of like uh, Overwatch as a service where Overwatch is just like pay for the game now and everything from here on out is free unless you want to buy loot boxes <laughs> you know um this is an interesting thing and I don't know what how to read into it now could be good could be slightly not so good depending on how uh, other uh, companies treat something like this Virgin Media are to begin offering a skew of broadband service targeted specifically at gamers Um, do use a lot of the internet (coughs) this comes from uh, Eurogamer so UK internet provider Virgin Media who actually are internet providers here now as well in Ireland, uh, has announced what it says is the first broadband tier created for online gamers. It's aimed primarily at YouTubers and Twitch streamers, as well as anyone who doesn't mind mind paying an extra fiver a month for a wider internet type. 
Uh, they're basically they, they've termed it their boss level uh, package. Yeah, <laughs> where they they just they're going to add just a little bit more to the kind of the, the speed of things to uh, facilitate playing games online while also streaming online at the same time. And um, and what other uh, tired video game cliched buzzwords do they use <laughs> uh, describing this package? None in this, but I'm sure when the uh, the advertising campaign gets underway, that we'll we'll see some more. But. Uh, I like that this is a package that's being offered that, like, they're kind of internet service providers. Right I need to stop you right there. You have stopped me. Because I've just thought, who's the spokesperson, as it were, for BT? It's not BT, it's Virgin. Or for Virgin. Virgin. Richard Branson? Because he owns it. Yeah, but who dresses up as Richard Branson hilariously in advertisements? I can't remember. Usain Bolt. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I just I just had a mental image of Usain Bolt, say, you know, a. Uh, trolling Branson and saying I'm in your base killing your dudes um, they um, make it happen Virgin I like I like the idea that um, internet service providers are kind of starting to cop on that online gamers and streamers are probably a significant part of the audience that wants the top tier package from them so it's and very they're, smart they're on their probably behalf. one of the most more discerning uh, types of customer as well because if they're not getting what they need they will go somewhere else yeah. and uh, that, that's the other thing as well is that uh, I'm worried as well that this kind of sets a precedent that could be open to more kind of pernicious targeting of these people because they will ultimately pay however much money for the the top tier like you know if it incrementally rises and rises and rises and rises gamers are still going to pay it you know um, so a little bit kind of uh, on the fence about that one so we'll you're not so sure about internet for the players oh uh, yeah indeed <laughs> Witcher 3 game of the year edition is here Would buy it chumps uh, no, no just no let's not let's not go into this let's, no, no, not, it's let's just, not talk I, around I, this let's just straight up say fucking buy it yeah yeah, yeah. it's uh, arguably the best game of the generation buy it so, so CD Projekt Red can make lots of money and give us was, more it was our game of the year last year it is a set that for 49.99 in euros has both the main game which is excellent in and of itself and two excellent expansions uh, Hearthstone and Bloodlines individual pieces of DLC yeah um, and cumulatively I believe about 450 hours of content because wasn't the game mm-hmm. rated about yeah. 400 hours and then I think Hearthstone is 20 hours and Blood and Wine is 30 so that I is finished Blood and Wine Blood and Wine is massive t- and it's great 30 it's hours so of underselling it like um, that'll tell you Brian's backlog problem that he hasn't even finished The Witcher um, and that is like it's super good so uh, get on that uh, an interesting piece of news here uh, Reggie fils who is the the head honcho of uh, Nintendo America famous for yelling my body is ready during an E3 press briefing uh, years ago has kind of finally Nintendo don't do this a lot about like properly acknowledging their own failures but kind of well, we ramp up to Nintendo NX, the new console coming out uh, in March of next year. We're assuming, based on leaks, that sometime in September, possibly towards the end, because there's a 3DS Direct coming They'll this week. They'll stop making the Wii U. Well, no, they've already stopped, apparently, really? because they have enough of a stockpile that they're not going to sell out. Um, that was word from a few months ago, I think, that they were stopping production. But, no, the, he's actually come out and kind of gone... Yeah, we kind of fucked it with the Wii U. 
Uh, he's come out and said what I think uh, a lot of people had said before. So I'll just read here from Eurogamer. Nintendo has said it must do a lot better at launching the NX than its predecessor to Wii U. Not exactly a surprise to hear Nintendo say this, but it's pleasing to hear Nintendo of America boss Reggie fils admit specific things went wrong with Wii U and what needs to be done different for the upcoming NX. One of the things we have to do better when we launch the NX, uh, fils told uh, A-List Daily, is we have to do a better job communicating the positioning for the product. We have to do a better job helping people understand its uniqueness and what it means for the game playing experience. When the Wii U came out, there was a massive amount of confusion. Because it was like we were moving from Wii to Wii U and not is Wii it more 2. But yeah. no, there's the thing that people saw the tablet and thought, is it a tablet peripheral for the Wii? Is it just a different version of is the Wii? Is it just this weird controller thing? Is there a, a lot of people didn't know what the unique selling point of the wii u was and in fairness based on uh having played a lot of wii u i'm not sure if most of the people developing games for the wii u <laughs> understood what the unique selling point was because i think i counted maybe three games that used that uh t- that that screen on the controller very well at all mm. um yeah it's just refreshing like hearing uh here's an ad for virgin internet full of young people <laughs> all in the background was the watch transfer on, deadline on the instagrams um this is a Reggie here, like a head honcho for um, like uh, Nintendo of America, so a major console developer. Um, it's refreshing, is it not, to hear him kind of go this, this that like they fucked it, they they really royally screwed it, because I think by any measurable standard, the Wii U has been a failure. Uh, they're not trying to compete anymore with the numbers the Xbox and the PS4 are are doing, but they are laughably behind. Um and even underperformed by their own modest projections on the Wii U. So I think like, it, I, the I, first I, thing the first step is admitting you have a problem, yeah, isn't it? Like um I kinda it saddens me really the whole thing with the Wii U because like when the Wii came out I I literally no time for it. No time for even the concept. Yeah. It just on no level did it appeal to me or interest well, you're me in not, any way. You're not the super casual gamer. We see, like, I mean, I know it wasn't meant for me, yeah. and it wasn't. Well, try- they weren't trying to sell like, it. To I'm me. a Nintendo kid, and it's the only Nintendo console that's been made in my lifetime. I've never owned. I just it doesn't doesn't lead to status. And then, kind of, when the Wii U came out, I mean, I don't own one. I live with you. You own one. Mm-hmm. Like I've we've played basically. America owns one. Like I basically played what I played Mario Kart, and that's yeah. about it. On it, and yeah. I've had a great old time. Yeah. Like I don't know if that's more Mario Kart than Wii U, but I mean. We never had any performance issues that I noticed. No. Um, uh, games perform great on it. Uh, the games, they have done some sort of black magic to make those games on a much less powerful system look just as good as PS4 and Xbox One games. Mm. Like that Mario Kart 8 is gorgeous. Mm. Smash is gorgeous. Um, some of the best games of this generation are unfortunately hidden away on that console no one bought. And I'm not just talking about the Xbox One here. Wait. <laughs> but like that's the thing, like you have Bayonetta 2, which a lot of people think is one of the best hey games of the generation. Uh, Smash, which is one of the better Smash games. It still looks like a bunch of people with epilepsy having a fit in a bouncy castle. Mario Kart Mario <laughs> That's great. Mario Kart 8, Super Mario Maker, all locked away. Wait for the same Mario Maker. Yeah. But they're all locked away on this console. Mm. Um, now I think some of them will probably follow on to the NX but uh, that, that remains to be seen yeah it, like I said it, the first step is admitting you is have a problem Felipe it's Senderos nice. you're, Jones is I'm trying to, if you keep getting distracted sorry like a, like a, but look at him look like, at him Felipe like Senderos he looks like a magpie with tinfoil you are <laughs> 
Sorry. Focus, focus. Sorry, Pretend Dave. that microphone is the Witcher. <laughs> Sorry, Dave. Uh, will you... Oh, actually, no, no. That's our next news story. I don't want to save this one. Mm, fuck's sake. Uh, Hitman Season 1 is going to get a physical release on January 31st, 2017. You've really enjoyed Hitman that. Hitman is legitimately one of the best games of this year. And uh, if anyone out there disagrees with me, you're an idiot. <laughs> I have had... Unbiased journalism I have here. had so much fun playing this game. I have had so much fun watching other people play this game. It is not only one of the best Hitman games ever... It is one of the games, uh, the only game I've ever played that makes stealth fun. Because... That's... That's a bold statement. Brian, Because if you dislike stealth gameplay... There is nothing quite like sneaking around a palatial estate and blind panicking by being caught by a guy with a semi-automatic rifle who's about to sound the alarm but then you lamp him with a can of soup and knock him out and hide him in a box. (laughs) (laughs) It's the best. It's so good. There are still two chapters left. Um, I can't remember where. I know the last one, I think, is going to be in Tokyo. I can't remember. Is the next one in... Some, next where I think is... Next one is somewhere stateside. Um, so there's two chapters left. Um, they have said that they have ideas for two more seasons of it. And the thing that's really astonishing to me about Hitman, uh, before we move on, is that I remember distinctly me and everybody else burying that they were doing this episodically because they were this was all a last minute fucking grinding the brakes on like it was a a stroke of genius because what it's done is it allows each map time to breathe because there are multiple ways multiple different opportunities the game calls them different ways to kill people different ways to go around the map to unlock different things for like your loadout for subsequent missions that like so in a linear, because in the, if so, when we jumping in, in yeah. a linear game, like I've I've lost count of the times I've had results. Oh, you can assault this in any way, like like in yeah. what's it in Far Cry Two, like oh you can go on there, you can stealth, you can use your mortar, you can yeah. do all kinds of things. Oh, just like whatever's the quickest to get me along the linear path in the story. Oh, yeah. So taking them out right. and making each mission, say for yeah. instance, from what would be a linear game with multiple missions into one game all by episode, all by set, Telltale game style. Yeah. You're saying this is the secret. This is, I, I don't know how they've done this. Like, right? So, like, with most games, it wouldn't work like this. So, if you release Doom, which is one of the best games of the year, level by level, it wouldn't make sense and it would be dumb because every level is roughly the same. Open the door, empty a clip into the room, kill everything. As the game says, grip and tear until it is done. Right? That game needs to be together because you need so to keep that frantic pace. Build, yeah. Hitman is genius because Hitman is right. So, in... Um, in the second chapter, the name of which escapes me at the moment was my favourite one. It's the one before Marrakesh. Um, Hitman 2 Electric Boogaloo. I can't think of the, I can't think of the name of it, but it's the it's... one that's out on the, like, the kind of Caribbean or Medi- Mediterranean kind of uh, town, right? So the first time I played it, I saw the mansion, walked up. They wouldn't let me in. I was like, fuck, what the hell am I going to do? Uh, walked away out of the town found uh, two florists that had just crashed into a cyclist lured one florist away strangled him stole his kit threw him off a cliff uh, so that the other guy wouldn't find his body took some flowers out of the van got let in because they were flowers for the guy's mother because it was the anniversary of her death walked into the mansion walked clean through the mansion 
out the back, went to the mother's grave, laid flowers, hid in a box beside the grave, waited until the guy came because he told his hitmen or his, his his kind of his his bodyguards that he wanted to be left alone when he prayed for his mother, then conveniently just got out of the box, walked up behind him, snapped his neck, threw him off a bridge. Alright? One guy dead. The second time I did that same part, because in that one there are two targets and then you have to destroy a virus that's in a lab in the side of the mountain or the side of the hill right and uh, the second time I went to kill that guy spoilers the second time I went to kill that same guy I walked to the right instead of to the left and it's like it's a massive town and you can do you can go anywhere these are just two different opportunities there are so many of them I walked to the right I found my safe house which the game didn't tell me was there I went in I found an exploding golf ball I snuck onto his estate and switched out his golf ball and he blew up. The third time I did it, I poisoned him by posing as a chef and putting rat poison in his food. There's, and there are so many... Mo- like, Do you know what it makes me think of? Do you know what, what? it sounds like? All time you point and click adventure games. Where, yeah. you, have a, where you have a ridiculous inventory yeah. where you know... Use, what, what was it? Yahtzee's one. Use the... Disturbingly large dildo on the perturbed sloth, you know. Yeah. yeah. You basically rub like, items together. The though. thing about the game as well is like it allows you to follow the opportunities, track the opportunities, so it'll give you the steps and the opportunity as a like a set of objectives. Hmm. Or you can do it without that hmm. and just figure it out yourself as well. So I could have when I saw the florist, I could have hit my hitman vision button that detects where hostile people are. And if I'd listened to them for a second, I would have been able to track the opportunity for your man and the flowers to kill him. Or I could have just grabbed it and just fucking gone with it and see what happens. You know? It's genuinely one of the best games of the year. Um, it's so much fun. So much fun. It's great. In this one, in the one that's out this month, you get to pose as a drummer during a recording session to get close to a singer from a band that definitely isn't 30 Seconds to Mars. Apparently he does. I haven't seen, but apparently he does. Um, take a trip with me, Brian, into a place I like to call Konami Corner. We need theme music for this. We like, do. It's waka Jim- waka. No, we do. It's Jim Sterling yelling "fuck Konami" like this. <laughs> Fuck Konami. So yeah, we're back in Konami Corner. I don't know if you've seen this before. I put this on the agenda this week. But uh, Konami are wringing every last dollar they can out of the Metal Gear franchise. I saw there's a new Metal Gear Survive. There's Metal Gear Survive, which I screamed enough about two weeks ago on the podcast. But they're re-releasing Metal Gear Solid 5 as Metal Gear Solid 5 The Definitive Experience, which is basically Ground Zeroes and the Phantom Pain in one game. Uh, along with a bunch of the kind of the like the online and the DLC that came with it, right? Um, that's f- well, it's not fine because we know why they're doing it. It's not because they have such reverence for the work of Hideo Kojima. It's so because they have reverence for the money he made them. <laughs> the thing that just just a little kicker at the end is right. So you think definitive experience? It's called the definitive experience. Think right? Okay, this is going to be the full experience. One of the major criticisms of Metal Gear Solid 5 is that because of what happened with Kojima and Konami towards the end of production on it there's a mission in it no mission, spoilers, I mission 51 yeah mission 51 
that doesn't exist properly in the game. And that is the mission that was going to... Because in the what is the final mission in Phantom Pain... Mission number 50. There are legitimately a bunch of unanswered questions. Now, sometimes, obviously, Kojima will do that shit deliberately... He, mm. You know, to leave open to ambiguity. All of, all sorts of films and TV do that. They leave mm. things open to ambiguity. But it seems based on... Because there is still surviving concept art and stuff like that from this Mission 51. That actually this would have tied pretty much everything together. And a lot of people, the kind of the... Kind of the, more, this is gone. the more conspiracy-friendly people would believe that they never... One, uh, that to wrap this up would have... Uh, required more money than Konami want. They they did. They just wanted Kana, uh, Kojima to wrap up and get the fuck out of their company, so they didn't want to give him any more money and spend any more time perfecting what was a, an absolute masterpiece of a game. The other side of it is that you could look at if they don't allow the story to fully close, well then it's open to doing more. So yeah, it's the the fact that they come out and Konami's Twitter account has been saying this as well, that they, there's no intention to go back in and ever finish that mission fifty one because if you finish the whole game, it definitely feels like there's either an additional mission or an additional act missing just to kind of finally give you that. <sighs> the actual game in and of itself, Metal Gear Solid Five wraps up, but the story Pretty much what's of... happening within Metal Gear Solid Five wraps up. But the story of, of Big Peter Boss Lothar, and, and yeah, of Big Boss and subsequently Solid Snake doesn't wrap up because there's no real there, there's there's sort of a link at the end. I, I I'm really trying not to spoil this. There's a sort of a link at Metal Gear so at the end of Metal Gear Solid Five that links into the original Metal Gear on MSX, but not a substantive kind of that you would get from and now like you know the, the kind of cheesy thing of we leave him off walking into the first mission of the the first of the cycle starts again kind of thing there's not that moment that people kind of wanted the kind of closure on a franchise that has been with us for 25 years or more uh, so uh, fuck Konami and Kojima looks younger than us yeah fuck Konami fuck Konami um Battlefield 1 beta is now open. I have it downloading on the PS4. Not really much to say about this, except I'm excited to see what it's about. And no definitive word on it from EA, but the rumours are we'll have the open beta from now until September 8th. It looks hella pretty. Yeah. Uh, some of that Zeppelin combat, yeah? It's going to be a good time. It looks... Do you know what? Like I, I've said since day one, it's like I'm, I'm, I really appreciate that Battlefield has taken a fucking left here. And tried something completely different. Because, uh, I mean, like, what were they going to do? Like, they were... Go- like, it was either that or chase Call of Duty into space. Into space, yeah. yeah. It was basically going to be space. And I'm so glad they didn't do it. I'm yeah. so glad they didn't. Brian, would it shock you to learn a game has been delayed? <sighs> can can we put in a soundbite for the... Dun, dun, dun! Can a music in there? Gran Turismo Sport. The only... F- I'm pretty sure I'm right in saying this. Apart from The Last Guardian... It's the only first-party non-VR release for the rest of the year from Sony. Has been delayed till next year. So if you're not getting PlayStation VR, your only first-party Sony game between now and 2017 is Last Guardian. Which is slim pickings. 
And that's assuming, and like, I will laugh and cry as, at the same time if Last Guardian gets delayed again, considering that thing was originally supposed to be a, like a, a, around the launch of the PS3. That's how long that's been delayed. <laughs> Whew. Yeah, so that's Gran Turismo Sport delayed. I like Gran Turismo games uh, every so often. I like Spain. They're, uh, they're uh, kind of... They're, they, they are they're the, pretty. The, they're the Mac Daddy of of driving simulators as opposed to racing games. Yeah, they just they pump all the money into making the cars look as god-awfully pretty as possible. And goddamn... Oh, they're, they're successful at it. Like, that money goes. Like, I think, what is it, isn't it? Forza is the pretender to the crown, but can For, never... Forza games are pretty good, but it's just not the same level of just, like... Just authenticity, I suppose. Like, just... It's, it's just another level. But that's because, like, they have a studio that pretty much does just Gran Turismo games and can work on whatever timetable they really like. They're kind of left to their own devices to perfect the game, whereas Forza have two studios going year on, year off with Forza and what's the spin-off Forza? Oh, fuck, Call it McCray, really? <clears throat> no, no, no. It's, it's <laughs> called Forza something as well. I can't remember. My apologies, everyone. Um, <clears throat> interesting patent found. Um, interesting story. Her mother's from Indonesia. Um, Jim Carter, check it out, guys. <laughs> don't, don't do it. <laughs> Please do. Don't. Um, a patent has that popped that up pain. in Indonesia for a new DualShock 4 and new Move controllers. Uh, the mood we, controller? Move, the, you know the wand thing? Mood? <laughs> um, yeah, they've popped up. The interesting thing about this is that the DS4, uh, the DualShock 4 controller patent seems to be in line with what the... I don't know if you've seen any leaked images of the, the new controller that's going around with the slim PS4. Uh, basically, the only difference is, and it's mind-boggling to me that this would be the case. So, you're holding the controller like this. Mm-hmm. The light bar is on the front. That's the dumbest shit I've ever heard. The light bar is pointing at your face. Oh, genuinely the dumbest shit I've ever heard, because yeah. that light bar is bright. Yeah, well, you, yeah, you can dim it, and even the dim light is still brighter than no light. Especially in know? a dark room, say, for instance. Yeah, um, it's kind of bizarre to me, because you know what the whole... Have you ever heard the rationale behind Sony why they didn't remove the light bar after everyone said it was shit? This is the reason for having the light bar there was for motion detecting for virtual reality. So, my eyes so, hard, so the PlayStation camera isn't going to be able to detect it if it's on the front of the thing pointing at your face. It's supposed to only be able to detect it if it's pointing at it. So, like, it's literally only being moved for a kind of stylistic choice, as far as I can see. And as for what they're doing with the new move controllers, I don't care. <laughs> no one cares. I don't care because I'm no not getting P- I'm not getting PSVR, so I don't care. And finally. Is there a new Duke Nukem game coming out? I saw that. I I saw that, and I was like, "Jesus, fuck is going on?" Like, I saw this on the lists on the Google Drive doc for the agenda, and I was like, "What? Why? No." Yeah. So, uh, reading from uh, young David Scammell, Scammell Jamel, over at uh, Video Gamer, a new countdown timer has appeared on the official Duke Nukem website. Furthermore, a new Twitter account. At Duke Nukem Game appears to have serviced online yesterday. It's already been followed by the IP's owner, Gearbox Software, which indicates that or suggests that it could be official. While there aren't any hints as to what it could be, the timer seems to be counting down to 1.30am British Standard Time next Saturday, September 3rd. 
and is joined by a banner wishing Duke a happy 20th anniversary because the original Duke Nukem launched in 1991 although the more popular Duke Nukem 3D arrived in January 1996. So that is during the PAX West event that's happening uh, next week. Um, Duke Nukem Forever which took which was the Chinese democracy of video games took forever yeah took a decade and a half to come out and was utter interminable wank when it did come out uh, my inclination for this because my inclination for this is it's one of two things either Randy Pitchford and those at Gearbox have been rubbing their hands gleefully at what Bethesda have managed to do with Wolfenstein and Doom and bring very 90s franchises into 2016 with great with good success for Wolfenstein and unbelievable success with Doom and they've gone I'd like a slice of that pie and I don't think they're going to stick the landing because of those <laughs> because three, they're not Bethesda no because of those three the one that is the most quintessentially 90s in the best and worst ways is Duke Nukem particularly the worst because yeah oh definitely the worst like because uh I don't know if the words uh, unfathomable misogyny are thrown around too much nowadays, but it certainly applies Island in the case of the of Young Duke. Yeah, uh, that shit won't fly, or should not fly in 2016. It fucking, no, I'm, no, I'm sorry. As an adult male, let me just say yeah, right now, no, it doesn't. No. But also I'm thinking, fucking, oh my God. Oh, like people, the sad people, puppies. So, and yeah, the, some people who play, like, they, Make Just masculinity great again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, men's rights activists and, you know, all those fucking Meninists. arseholes. Yeah, meninists. Oh, like your, your start, John Waters. Uh, I'm hoping. Stifling masculinity. Best case scenario for me from this, this announcement is just a build up to like a collection of the old games um, up resed for current gen. Um, which so you still... mean the Gearbox have looked at what? Uh, they're done with the Bioshock collection and oh we'd like a piece of that yeah. look let's be honest they'd have to be absolutely delusional to think they could recreate what Id and Bethesda have done yeah. like because but then it's purely because God bless Randy Pitchford but he's he is prone to some delusions it's just no if uh, you ever want to make yourself like so angry you might eat your own laptop look up uh him and Aliens Colonial Marines and that whole fucking fiasco that went down a couple of years ago um, and the words Jim Sterling had to say about it but uh, yeah I, I'm hoping it's just a collection I think really at this point in time Gearbox are more in their mind to work on Borderlands 3 because that's going to be a cash cow for them that would actually make them money like yeah. you know well, I, I was so sure and a lot of people were sure that this year at E3 they were going to announce Borderlands 3 yeah, a bit of a surprise yeah, even I think IGN for the longest time had it listed as like confirmed to appear. Mm. So uh, interesting. So that's that's kind of the news for this week, uh, which leaves us onto the book club. And for this book club, Brian will be saying goodbye to you for the week uh, because you, you won't be joining us into this trip back to the N sixty four. So never had one. You never had one. Someday we'll get you playing some of the classics on it next I've played, time. I played Lola Wars. It's a good game. It's a good game. Not by today's standards, but it was a good game at the time. Unreal shooters haven't really aged very well, let me tell you. Oh man, that Rambo game, let me tell you. <laughs> oh, fuck's sake. Time crisis, man. What up, what it do? You better not be being sarcastic. <laughs> you fucking better not be being sarcastic. <laughs> yeah, weren't you trying to source the light guns for us to play Time Crisis 2? 
At one point. Yeah, yeah. yeah. God, yeah, that's a flashback. And then that, that hashtag thing you did with the hashtag top seven best games ever. Am I, uh, seven, uh, I, seven five games? Yeah, I definitely had Time Crisis in mind. Um, not Time Crisis, no? Not Time Crisis. <laughs> uh, right, okay, Brian. Uh, thanks for coming on the show this week again. We'll hopefully have you back a lot sooner than last time. Uh, Probably not, though. <laughs> you are a busy man who also enjoys sleeping. Your, your two pastimes of uh, sleeping and thinking about sleeping really get in the way of uh, female <laughs> podcasts. So uh, thanks, bro. Uh, see you again. At C-A-R-G-I-N 4107 on Twitter. Someday you're going to be brave enough to try to say it out loud. Cargan 4107. But I, 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 do, I do say it, but then I went, I should probably spell that out. So now I just default spell it out. I do it at the end of the show as well, even when you're not on, just to just to hit you up, get you, get you some follows on that shit. Sorry, you're working though. Son. <laughs> Follow him, people, please. Um, yeah, thanks, Bri. Uh, we're going to go in now to the book club, and this week we're uh, looking back at uh, a foul mouth gem from the N64, a game that really wasn't the game I thought it was going to be when I heard it was coming out. Uh, it's Conker's Bad Fur Day, and for this, we will be uh, going live via satellite to friend of the show, Jack Lazell. Well, there I am, conquered the king, king of all the land. Who the fuck that? But how did I come to this? I hear you say. And who are those strange fellows that surround my throne? I hear you also say. Well, it's a long story. Come closer, and I'll tell you. It all started yesterday. What a day that was. It's what I call a bad fur day. Conker's Bad Fur Day is an action platform video game developed by Rare and released for the Nintendo 64 video game console in 2001. As part of the Conquer video game series, the game follows the story of Conquer the Squirrel, a greedy, heavy-drinking red squirrel who attempts to return home to his girlfriend, Berry. The gameplay is composed of various challenges that involve platforming, solving puzzles, fighting enemies, and gathering objects. The game also features a multiplayer mode where a maximum of four players can compete in seven, seven different game types. Conquer's Bad Fur Day is an action platform game where the player controls Conquer's Grow to a series of three-dimensional levels. The game features an overworld where players can transition from one level to another, although many are initially blocked off until Conquer earns a certain amount of catch. Each level is an enclosed area in which the player can freely explore to find tasks to do. The gameplay mostly relies on figuring out a way to help other characters by completing a linear sequence of challenges. The challenges may include defeating a boss, solving puzzles, gathering objects and racing opponents among others. To discuss the unusual gem that is Conker's Bad Fur Day, I have called in the reinforcements. You know it's a serious book club when we call this man in the Roman Reigns of Link to the Cast and co-host of the very entertaining Away Goals podcast on which I am also a co-host. It's Jack Lazell. Jack, how are you? 
I'm all right, thanks, my friend. I am sitting here on transfer deadline day, and such a good friend that I am, I'm, I'm agreeing to take a few minutes out of my football brain to just talk to you about something that I have an awful lot of affection for, and that is Conker's Bad Fur Day. Yeah, uh, it's it's a very busy day in our lives, and one that it feels weird that I'm doing this podcast while transfer deadline day is going on. I feel like I've got things a bit backwards, but we'll no, we'll struggle on anyway. Congress Bad Fur Day. Like, when I think about N64 and Rare, I, that that partnership, I think of a lot of games, and I think about how, broadly speaking, with the exception of maybe, like, um, Goldeneye and Perfect Dark are the two main outliers. I think f- family-friendly fun. Yeah. And when I think of Conker and my first interaction with Conker, which is as one of the characters, and I I believe he might have been my preferred character for a while on the classic Diddy Kong Racing. Ah, uh, yes. I was going to bring up Diddy Kong Racing. Which is, I think, a very criminally underrated kart racer as it lived it out its existence in the shadow of Mario Kart on the oh, N64. That, I thought it was excellent. I think it's comparable. Like I, We've had a few N64 game nights, um, me and your regular co-host, Mark Robinson, uh, and the ones where it tends to be me and Mark and maybe one other person, we have bust out Diddy Kong Racing a few times. It's a great game. Myself and Mark have a policy now where we don't play... Uh, competitive n64 games when he's around because no one has any fun (laughs) because either he wins which is what usually happens and he is uh, ultra competitive in the process of doing so or the one time i pinned him in no mercy and he was very upset so uh i think we we've kind of agreed to down tools when it comes to competitive n64 play i think it's fair i i've seen him and another friend of ours matthew biggs um be on the verge of blows before over n64 it's just uh it gets so emotional it really does it really does but uh yeah so my first interaction with conquer like i said was during diddy kong racing and i thought well there's a cute little friendly squirrel and when i heard that he was getting a, a solo game uh, in 2001 called conquer's bad fur day or i think originally because i used to be i don't know about you jack but i used to be a monthly reader of nintendo official magazine I was a casual reader. Um, I th- my peak of reading Nintendo magazine was my first girlfriend when I was 15 year old. Her brother was dead into Nintendo stuff uh, and he used to always get Nintendo magazine. So this sort of thing, like, you know, if she'd be going for a shower or getting changed or anything, I'd, I'd just pick up Dave's copy of Nintendo and read my way through it. But of course, I'd, I was well into Conkers by that point. So so, so when I when I first started hearing of this, I believe it was uh, Conker 64. It was either that was what it was going to be called or um, that was kind of just what it was um, being referred to as in the lingo of the... Uh, of the of the magazine and it was an entirely different game at the time uh wikipedia has it that it would have been you would have been able to control conquer in action-based settings and bury in strat- strategy-based settings uh with the possibility of two-player split-screen gameplay it was an entirely different game and didn't have shall we say the the edge that it would then go on to have when it was called ah there's the, the full original name was 12 tales conquer 64 i see yeah uh, but then in 2000, uh, it kind of was, shall we say, rebranded as an entirely different game. Uh, how how do you best 
sit somebody down and gently explain to them what Conker's Bad Fur Day is, Jack? Uh, Conker's Bad Fur Day plays like what would happen if you had uh, the cast of the Inbetweeners rewrite the script for Super Mario 64. <laughs> That's, that is fantastic. Because it's exactly like there's the the boss element and you're collecting money instead of collecting coins you're collecting notes except that every single section of the game either has a uh some sort of scatological humor or a dick joke or or someone throwing up or some sort of bodily fluids being spilled and it's just absolutely hilarious in yeah. every possible way the, the closest I could come to kind of uh, trying to uh, explain it to people was it's basically like what would happen if the team that developed Banjo-Kazooie were locked in a room, spiked with LSD and made to watch South Park. And then as soon as they came down, develop a video game about your experience in that room, please. It's almost like they uh, they were making the original Conkus game and probably had him as the sort of cutesy character that he is. Yeah. Uh, and, and they sort of said to them, well, you know, this is this needs a bit of an edge and and whoever it was that was developing the game at the time took offense and went oh it's a fucking edge you want is it i'll give you an edge mate and then <laughs> took it away yeah it's like the uh, they went uh we want a bit of an edge and they thought challenge accepted yeah and um, then a bunch of dudes got in a room got super high brought in some pizzas and their friend craig i feel like a guy named craig was helping to develop this game and this is what happened this is what resulted <laughs> I can't really believe that I got away with owning this game when it came out. Um, because I was... Would have been 12 when it came out? Wow. Um, and I was kind of like... I've always been lucky enough that uh, my family kind of have always been the... Well, he's not going to be someone who is influenced by violent video games or adult themes or anything like that. He's a good head on his shoulders. So I was allowed by like... GTA 3 when I was 13 or Vice City when I was 14 I was able to buy games like that like uh, the 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 age restriction on them was never really paid attention to when it came to the games I was getting originally Uh, in Tesco's and places like that in this country you could walk in and just buy a game and no one ever used to check the ratings on video games because I think there was very much the attitude that video games are for kids therefore if this video came even with a big 18 symbol on the front like I remember GTA 3 when I bought that I just walked into a Tesco's and bought it and no one really cared at the time yeah this one not only had like uh, the the ESRB rating of mature on the side of it uh, but it also had like a big banner if I recall correctly on the like the bottom of the box that had like an advisory saying do not give this game to anybody that's under the age of 17 (laughs) Um, and rightly so in in some respects because like even though I was uh, I was granted the opportunity to uh, play games that I maybe shouldn't have at my age I don't know if I'd necessarily recommend that to the kids of today um, no, but the funny thing is, if you play through the game, you realise that the target market for this game is probably boys from age 13 to 15. Yeah, I was going to say, it's like, it's proper, like, toilet humour, and it's it's either, like, young adolescent boys or college stoners. Yeah. Uh, because, like, th- there are things, like, in this game, like, I don't know what things you want to hit on here, Jack, but one of the things I really want to hit on is the singing poo monster. 
<laughs> now listen here, Dave. That is the great mighty Pooh, and you will address him as such. See, <laughs> see, yeah, guys, there is uh, a chapter of this game. Now, first of all, what a lot of people neglect to remember is that before you do meet up with the great mighty Pooh, you have uh, a little bit of a scrap with some scouse dung beetles. Uh, yeah. and, and they're the one that leads you to be flushed into the Great Mighty Pooh's cavernous Pooh cave. Uh, this is a very strange kind of sequence of events in the game, which you just kind of get used to in the end because you're just going from one very odd scenario to the next. But yeah, not only is there a character or a boss that you have to defeat called the Great Mighty Pooh, but as Dave alluded to, he also sings. But he doesn't just sing, Dave. He sings in an operatic fashion. And he whoever does. the voiceover guy was that did the Great Mighty Pooh, they absolutely smashed it because it's just it was amazing. Like the real kind of big notes and all sorts. And to this day, I still remember the lyrics to the Great Mighty Pooh song. <laughs> It's also a game that, like, um, you know, speaking of kind of crass, uh, scatological humor and stuff like that, but it's also one of the first games that I, like, actually remember noticing its kind of homages and uh, pastiches of other popular kind of uh, IP. Yeah. Uh, the Matrix, um, Clockwork Orange in particular, yeah. uh, which is something I wouldn't hit on back because I think it was, well, so it was about 12, so I'd say it would be a good year or two years before i saw clockwork orange after that and kind of like then going back a couple of years later and playing conquers again and then only then kind of realizing the homage that was in that like it 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 was one of those kind of it's become a kind of uh passe of uh movies and tvs and games to be very meta and to reference other things a lot like i think uh, Community is a TV show that I love very much but kind of uh, did meta to such an extent now where when kind of anybody does it now it's 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 been done mm. uh, but at the time it was kind of a thing it's like oh it's referencing the other thing that's very clever you know in, it, in video it, games though that certainly. was completely unheard of as a concept like yeah. I think if someone young came into this game now they, they probably would enjoy that but then they would probably think oh i've seen this done elsewhere but i mean at the time it was it was revolutionary in so many ways and you're right the pop culture references my particular favorite dave was the um shot for shot essentially remake of the start of saving private ryan on the beach (laughs) and you had the shot of like a body in the water and you just see like bullets going through it and and you just all of a sudden they're just like completely taken out of your own headspace thinking like a second ago I was throwing toilet paper into the mouth of a giant poo and now I'm storming Normandy Beach with my squirrel <laughs> it's like oh, it's just fantastic a same by right is another one that like I wouldn't encounter it for like as a film for a couple of years I don't think like I think it was maybe the year after that that I got into um what's it called uh, historical oh, films Band, Band of Brothers oh Band of Brothers yeah and then after Band of Brothers came kind of my, my auntie recommended me oh if you like that well you'd probably like this a lot and then again kind of retroactively going oh yeah that's really really clever The Matrix is the one that I got at the time because I, I pretty much saw The Matrix as soon as it was, as it was available uh, on video and DVD 
Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it, it's just, it, it was so like, it's so silly and clever all at once. And that is kind of the story of this game, I think. I think my favourite uh, part about this game was, I mean, it starts off with Conker in a pub, completely drunk off his ass, doesn't really know where he is, how he's going to get home, tries to ring his missus, she's doing exercises, so she doesn't answer. And then it's just a case of him waking up in a field with a scarecrow, being a complete mess and trying to piece together A, where his missus is, and B, what happened to him the night before. And the whole reason that he ends up in peril in this game is because the king, who is also a giant panther with a shit-easing grin on his face, as we find out very early in the game, has a side table next to him in his throne room that one of the legs is broken and he calls in his top scientist and his top scientist decides that the measurement for another table leg instead of just fixing it with tape or just making it again out of wood is the perfect height for a red squirrel and therefore the game is set up they are trying to find conquer so he can balance out the king's table leg it's utterly bananas mental it really is it's absolutely mental like it's kind of in the vein uh in terms of like its silliness and also it's kind of uh, pitching at a slightly older audience than you might think uh kind of reminds me of like that that prime era of like animaniacs and freakazoid yeah where like on the face of it they look like children's cartoons but when you actually listen to and pay attention to what's going on it is not being pitched to kids i think shrek is the best example of that actually like i know it's quite cliche because so many people love it but that's because it's damn good like it does appeal to kids and it does appeal to adults and there you've got risque moments with particular things and and conquers has that but it does go over the line quite a lot of the time and in in a brilliant and most entertaining way you know the funny thing about this game dave as well is this is a sort of game where you know if it's a rainy afternoon and you're not particularly doing anything you could sit down and probably complete this in maybe five six hours and just have an absolute ball doing it um the other thing that one of the things that's really striking about this game especially for a game of that time is not only kind of the way in which it's a very very adult teen game in a world of uh, games are for kids but it's the level of voice acting that's happening in a nintendo 64 game is unparalleled i think yeah they had the 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 really good sound in this game i think this is right towards the end of of cartridge territory for nintendo as well just before they launched the gamecube and yeah there's a lot of voiceover acting and and a lot of really good and sharp sound like the sound is probably one of the better elements of the game because graphically i'd say it is essentially just banjo kazooie but yeah which, hey, that's not, that's not a slight by any stretch of the oh, imagination. Oh, it's not, no. Obviously, a little bit more wacky on the level designs, like when you're riding yeah. a raptor around to bite the bum of a, of a giant um, ugger-bugger type of um, caveman with a very small dick. You know, don't really see that in Banjo-Kazooie or Tui, do you? I've, I've not noticed it anyway. But yeah, the um, like the rare games are always known for really good sound design, but usually that's just limited to like music and um, like maybe a couple of lines of dialogue here or there. Like Banjo Kazooie, uh, in particular, is noted for being famous for just the kind of like the the subtitles accompanied by just generic noises from the animals. But uh, yeah, just adding in the, the the voice acting adds another layer to this. I don't think those kind of um, 
parodies of famous films would have come off half as well if we were having to read the whole thing. No, absolutely not. And I mean, I just want to make mention of some some random side characters that pop up that I think the voice acting is just Dude, dead please, on. Yeah, because I'm going to move into critical reception next. So yeah, give, give us some of your highlights that we haven't mentioned so far. The, obviously, the Scouse Dong Beatles are, are fantastic. Um, but death... The first time you die in this game and you're introduced to Death, who, whose name is Craig, which is why I, I, I thought that someone <laughs> named Craig was involved in the name of this game. And essentially, he just berates you the entire time and saying, look, if you need more lives, all you need to do is collect these tails, which are essentially like mushrooms for Mario to give the, the one-ups. Uh, and he just goes on about how much he hates cats because they've got nine lives and every time one comes to him he thinks they're gonna die and they don't and they shit and they piss everywhere and yeah it's it's amazing death it, is yeah, just it's it's not too far off like it, the death in this game is somewhere halfway between uh, my favorite portrayal of death which is terry pratchett's death yeah and uh sort of halfway between that and the death from the grim adventures of billy and mandy <laughs> Yeah, and I'd also throw in Dante from Clerks because there is a very I'm not supposed to be here today kind of feel to Death's actions. Like, you could not be inconveniencing him more by the fact that you've just died, which I think is a really good way to guilt trip people into playing the game properly. And you know what? It's a game with probably the, the, like... the most narrow learning curve ever like how quickly you pick up the game like there's a few buttons and then it's just go and it kind of plays almost like a video game novel than it does an actual video game at times yeah the controls for the game are are even simpler than that of like banjo or anything like that that was around the time dk64 as well was released i think a year before this yeah so it's 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 pared down from even that in terms of uh, how it controls like it's more about kind of the zaniness that's going on rather than actual like deep game mechanics or anything like that but have you got uh, any more characters there that you want to mention before we uh start I, moving towards the end i very much like the mobster weasels <laughs> Get to do, and now I'm gonna blow. Like, they are amazing. Oh, yeah, and money in the game. Money is not only what you need to collect to unlock the next parts of it, but money will actively take the piss out of you. So, like, if you find money in the game, it'll go, There I am, you greedy bastard! And shit like that, and just basically be very uncooperative while you're being forcing it into your own conquers bad fur day pocket uh, just little touches like little characters like there's like a paint can and and a, a pitchfork that you meet that are just very terminally short of intelligence and it's just like a little bit of thought went into the writing of every every character it's very rare obviously the south park game and that would come over a decade later uh that you you see a video game which is got a comedic theme that is actually written almost like the characters are developed like they have been written by a properly comedy writing team and i would i'd love to know who wrote the script for this game because i think it's absolutely genius (laughs) it feels like something maybe like simon pegg and nick frost would have done before they got famous in space yeah it'd feel like a like a really weird episode of space (laughs) it does feel which is like a really high bar for weirdness as is Oh, absolutely, yeah. Like, a cross yeah. between Spaced and Black Books and South Park all thrown into one. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I don't know if you've seen this. I don't know if you have the Wikipedia open here, but do you want to swing a guess, if you don't know already, Jack, as to what the Metacritic score for this game is? 
do you know what? It was such a breath of fresh air. I'm gonna say like uh, oh, eight, eighty, eighty-seven, ninety-two. <laughs> oh my goodness me! Like, yeah. I, and I can, and you know why? Because this is not a game that Nintendo have ever and will ever make again. Like, you'll never see a game like this on the Nintendo, any oh, it, future yeah, it's console It's super weird for, like, family-friendly, fun Nintendo to do something like this. And I think half of the people that rated this game positively were just probably taken aback by the just <laughs> sheer outrage of it. Like, it must have taken a really perfect storm of people giving up on the project and not really being vested anymore. Nintendo realising that the console was not long for this world and was just sweeping games out and sweeping games under the carpet. And there's actually some pretty great games that got missed in there, like Pokemon Stadium 2, which is awesome and has really good mini games. And my one of my favourite uh, N64 games, Paper Mario, these games all got really short shrift towards the end of the N64 and they're all now quite valuable in the second home market. I think copies of Conker's Bad Fur Day you see changing hands for like 50, 60 quid now in mint condition. Uh, to buy in The Rage, which is a, a shop on Fade Street in Dublin that I often mention on the show for retro game purchasing, to yeah. buy a copy of it in the box is over €150. Euro. Wow. Yeah, it's, that's... It's... Because it wasn't like... Nintendo wasn't like Sega. We I think Mark's mentioned this before, where Sega, when they released games, they, like, they published or they actually made so many physical copies of every single game that still it's very inexpensive to go and find yourself and almost any Mega Drive game. But with Nintendo 64, there was much kind of... I wouldn't say hugely limited but limited to the extent where now it's kind of getting hard to find certain games on N64 and the two that are kind of hardest to find in good nick are Conquer and Smash Brothers the original Smash Brothers yeah and both of them just because like um they were such weird games um like because Conquer's was a risk and Smash was the original Smash was certainly a risk as well putting so much IP into one fighting game um and the other side of things is that, like, the people who still have those games in good nick don't want to part with them. No, I would never sell my copy of Conker's Bad Fur Day. And Conker's, my copy of Conker's Bad Fur Day, as I mentioned last week on the show, is one of the games that I lost over the years and am oh, gutted Dave. about. Uh, like, if you look at these scores, it, it just explains why I'm so gutted. Four stars from all game, five game, five stars from Game Pro. Game Revolution at the time gave it a B plus. GameSpot gave it a nine point three out of ten. IGN nine point nine out of ten. N sixty four magazine eighty nine percent. Game Planet four and a half stars. It's the only. It's that and Smash Brothers are the only two N sixty four games that I lost in all my moves over the years that I still haven't recouped, and it's because the two of them are so fucking expensive. Yeah, uh, I think... but I I am delighted to to know now that thanks to the rare replay collection, I can actually play Conker's Bad Fur Day on my Xbox One. Amazing! Like and I, that, I think that's what I will be doing later if... tonight. I think. If I had a score for it, I probably would give it a 9 out of 10. And the only reason I'd knock a point off, because, you know, I'd be prone to the hyperbole of of IGN giving it 9.9, is because there is no challenge to it. There really isn't. It's, It's very easy. And it does have replayability, but the only reason that you would want to replay it is just because some of the boss ba- battles are so funny. It, it, it's weird, like, the crescendos of boss battles normally build up to, like, these emotional moments in games, whereas 
the boss battles in this game are the comedic peaks of the game. Like the last boss battle where the the game essentially glitches out and freezes and then Conker breaks the fourth wall down and talks to the developers of the game to allow him into this Matrix-like weapons locker <laughs> to select the exact right weapon yeah. that he would need to defeat the game's final boss, which I won't spoil for you. Like, just stuff like that. You You, you don't see that anywhere like at the time now you know the kind of whole i think deadpool when the game that came out maybe what seven or eight years later and there was some four four breaking back then but that wasn't really done in video games at the time so yeah like to me it's 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 a nine out of ten because of all of the brilliant entertainment in it and yeah it's just a gameplay doesn't offer a lot of challenge but you you almost don't care like you will happily play through this again and it's like you know I, I've seen um, some of my favourite comedy films like I've seen Anchorman like multiple times I've seen Clerks multiple times and Morats multiple times and, and, and 40 Year Old Virgin and, and films like that and I feel like Conker's Bad Fur Day like every now and then even if I don't necessarily want to go and play I can just go to YouTube and I can just watch someone else do the boss battles from the game and it just always makes me happy and I can quote my way through most of the scenes in it because it just feels like that tried and trusted go-to comedy film that I'll put on when I'm feeling like sad or pissed off or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's that. That's a great elevator pitch from from you even for that game. And mine is just like get it, get this game and play it like because it's on the rare replay collection if you have an Xbox One you're able to get it and some absolutely phenomenal games for relatively cheap in yeah. a big collection uh, and the other thing is the reason you absolutely need to play this and the reason it's so strange is that there will never be a game like this again I don't think that Nintendo will make no way <laughs> a game this weird this filthy this adult themed and this uh, kind of uh self-aware and referential of other popular uh, intellectual property. You, you, it's it, This perfect storm, you, you said it yourself, this perfect storm is never, ever going to happen again. And and you could tell from the fact that Nintendo wanted absolutely nothing to do with it. When the Wii came out and they were talking about the Virtual Console, which was one of the things that I think sold a lot of people on the Wii who didn't want to be waving their arms around and moving about, when they brought out the Virtual Console, that was another game changer and that was exceptionally successful but this thing got nowhere near that virtual console because i think anytime nintendo are reminded that this happened they almost just want to sweep it under the carpet so at some point uh microsoft uh managed to buy into it and 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 it's now available and i think it was available on the either the original xbox or was it the xbox 360 arcade um Uh, it has been available on oh they haven't updated it here on uh uh, Xbox in 2005, the original Xbox. Yeah, it was on the original Xbox, um, and and that was that did quite a good bit of business, I think, because it was just sort of the people that had got rid of all their N64s are broken, and, and it was kind of wearing gradually down. So they thought they'd get themselves a copy of it on the original on the original Xbox, which I think is really cool that you could do. So yeah, you you won't see Nintendo just get anywhere close to this. Like even things like Bayonetta, when I see Nintendo involved in i'd still just think what the hell <laughs> like that, that yeah. surprises me but once you play through this game you would just think how how did this happen <laughs> who fell asleep yeah it is <laughs> a, it happen. is a big who fell asleep moment and it's, yeah. it's something that needs to be celebrated in history because every now and then something great happens like you know my my comparison would be 
Scott Pilgrim versus the world oh, in film. We don't we we don't have enough time to talk about how that no. is legitimately one of my favorite comic books and favorite movies. But a very very niche indie comic book was given an 18-90 million pound film budget. Yeah. And directed by a very cult film director starring a guy who just was coming off like Juno and all sorts of stuff at the time and how in the hell a studio ever gave £90 million for them to do that project? And that will never happen again. And this is yeah. exactly the yeah. same thing. Um, I think all that remains to be done here is uh, firstly to uh, thank you very much, Jack, for coming on the show. You always tend to come uh, when we're in need, when we need to uh, try and sneak a Metal Gear game past Mark into I, the book club. I'm always available. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we still got a... I said to we got... Uh, Mark said to me, "It's like, oh, we're we're running out of stuff for uh, for Jack to come on to induct into the uh, into the book club." I said, "Oh, don't worry, Snake Eater is coming one of these days. Don't you worry about that, my friend." I would literally quite happily just discuss the theme tune and play it over and over again with you for forty five <laughs> minutes. We don't even need to mention the game. I think even if he's available that week, Mark might opt out for his own sanity when we do Snake Eater. But um, I, I think uh, thanking you again, Jack, for, for coming on in our moment of need when uh, Mark has left us in the lurch to go off to a fancy hotel for the week. But um, I, I all that's remained to be seen is to uh, say what the game is going to be for next week. And because Mark isn't here, I'm just going to name the game. I think it's the one he was going to do anyway because he just recently acquired it. Uh, next week on the show our book club is going to be Time Splitters 2 oh that's a good choice it's a classic uh, he just found it in CEX there one day and we're just in the middle of trying to find ourselves a second Shock uh, for the PS2 so that we can play through it uh, it's going to be a good time good guys time. if you lived in London I've got three just saying <sighs> Just it, saying, just trying to lure us back any chance you, you get. Yeah, almost worth you moving over here just so you guys can borrow my jewel shot. <laughs> Isn't that the, the other week where we had some sort of audio issue or something like that? And you said, well, the only thing for it is for you and Mark to move over here. Yeah, this is it. Um, okay, so uh, I'll just uh, do the wrap up here before we finish. Uh, we are... Uh, link to the cast link to the cast.wordpress.com is the website where we post everything at link to the cast on twitter and facebook.com forward slash link to the cast search for us on youtube as well uh, link to the cast we are finally the top search result for link to the cast on youtube the hell with you Anne robinson because for ages the weakest link was coming up anytime you'd search link to the cast on youtube <laughs> but now we're finally the search result the top search result because we started tagging things a bit better um it's twitch- all about that seo mate it, it makes though, a difference twitch.com forward slash or twitch.tv forward slash link to the cast is where we do all our live streams our weekly content schedule is on Mondays Mark does his solo stream called Mark on Mondays Tuesday is when we post one of the old book club features uh, and write an article for the website Uh, my apologies an article didn't go up this week because I was intending to write it yesterday evening but when myself and Jack went to record our podcast our other podcast the Away Goals podcast there were some hideous technical issues that delayed things it certainly did yeah (laughs) but a book club feature from uh, a past show will go up onto the YouTubes on that day on Wednesday Link to the Cast Plays is when myself and Mark sit down and play a game together at the moment we're playing through Beyond Two Souls which is an absolute shit show on Thursday is the day where the podcast posts and that is the only thing that usually posts on a Thursday and on Friday is my solo series Friday of Plays where at the moment I'm playing through No Man's Sky in anticipation for the Bioshock collection which releases two weeks from now um, Mark on Mondays, by the way. 
Yeah. It kind of sounds like uh, a uni kind of blocked out radio hour where from <laughs> that 10 is exactly the vibe I was going for. From ten o'clock to eleven o'clock, Mark Robinson goes into a studio and plays nothing but the cure just wall to wall and says like three words in between every single song. That's kind of his life walking around here actually. Yeah. Next but, uh, a forest. And then that <laughs> And of course, we got a plug uh, at Away Goals Pod on Twitter, uh, Away Goals Pod on SoundCloud, and stuff like that for our football side project. We're going to have a lot to talk about next week, just looking at the screen here. Uh, Sky Sports News developing stories as we uh, go towards the end of the transfer window. So please, everyone, like, subscribe, share, uh, check that shit out, and check out both podcasts on iTunes now that uh, Away Goals Podcast has been approved on iTunes. Um, uh, yep, yeah, I'd like to um, plug. Marks and Spencer's uh, microwavable <laughs> Indian food. It is all really good, guys. You should get involved. I, w- I would like to plug the Central Grill Takeaway local to me here who are going to be facilitating me with a bit of dinner now that it's gone entirely too late for me to marinate my pork chops. Uh, the, uh, the, the dinner that Mark does quite enjoy when I cook it for him here that we call Grandma Dave's old-timey pork chops require me to marinate the pork chops for a couple of hours in the particular barbecue sauce I use and uh, it's entirely too late to be waiting on that. Chuck them in and I'll be over tomorrow. Oh, damn right, damn right. Um, so I'm at Dave Ryan Ivy on Twitter. The man here joining me via satellite is at Jack, Jack Lazell on Twitter. That's L-A-Y-Z-E-L-L. Damn right. Uh Brian, who was with us earlier on the show before the intermission, uh, is at C A R G I N four one zero seven. That's Cargan forty one zero seven on Twitter. For link to the cast this week, uh, I've been Dave Ryan. That's been Jack Lazell. Thank you very much, and we'll see you again down the road. Bye, guys.